0: Greeny with Mike Greenberg the podcast
1: back and better than ever football season is here and so are we Dion is college football 3.0 the 85 bears are on the menu Hembo is here Tannenbaum is here it's the dawning of a new era let's do this here we go Only one place to start. The one place we start today is with the start of the National Football League season. We are two days away from Kansas City and Detroit. Kicking it all off on Thursday. My buddy Tannenbaum made the point to me this morning. At this time tomorrow, the Lions will be on a plane to Kansas City getting ready to play that opening game. And why don't we very quickly start there? I have other matters I want to get to. Hembo is here ready to go as well. Uh, But I want to uh, very quickly start with that game. The absence of Chris Jones in the middle of that defense for Kansas City in a game that is so interesting for both teams, because if you're the Chiefs, you need to stockpile wins. The AFC is a murderer's row. It is an endless array of top-level quarterbacks and seemingly really good teams. So every game those teams play matter, every single one of them, for the one seed. And then on the other side, the Lions, I feel like, are playing for some level of legitimacy. The world is so high on them. Mike Tannenbaum, outside of Patrick Mahomes, will the Chiefs be missing the last player in the world they can afford to be missing in trying to win this game?
2: Yes, absolutely, Greeny. You know, last year, when you look at Detroit, over the last half of the season, the last nine games, they were 7-2, and two, and they scored the third most amount of points. This is an explosive offense, and when you think about Jameer Gibbs, who Ben Johnson, the offense coordinator, a really talented guy, I worked with him in Miami, He already came out and said, don't be surprised to see him line up all over the place, meaning he may be on the field with David Montgomery. They drafted Sam Laporta, a very talented tight end. Amaran St. Brown is on the cusp of being a star. They're going to score a lot of points, even if Chris Jones had played. So this is a game that on paper could be really high scoring. As Graz said on get up, you know, Chris Jones doesn't play for Detroit, but this Detroit Lion team, they won't be intimidated and they will score.
1: Hembo again is back here with all of his numbers tucked away. In his brain, what what are the numbers as you started looking ahead to this game that everybody should be interested in?
3: So the, the Chiefs are a six-and-a-half-point favorite in this game, and that line has been steady practically the whole summer, despite the fact that Chris Jones is out. And the public is on Kansas City a lot, too. So for as much as we seem to think that the Chris Jones injury, or excuse me, the Chris Jones holdout is going to impact this game, the public doesn't seem to think so much, and neither does Vegas. Now, if you're telling me that you think this is going to be a huge deal, you know, uh, Detroit plus 225 on the money line is actually looking pretty juicy if you didn't have a real shot to win this game outright.
2: Yeah, again, I think it's going to be really high score. I don't know what the total points is, but, I mean, at least on paper, it looks like it could be a shootout. Total
3: 54-and-a-half.
1: You like the over on that, 54-and-a-hay? Mm.
2: Uh, I, I, absolutely. And, again, like, you know, Bart said on getup, like the lack of physicality of the way training camps are, like, we're going to see a lot of missed tackles early, which also bodes well for a high-scoring game.
1: All right. Tannebaum is here. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Hembo, as always, will bring the rest of the Hashtag crew into the conversation in a moment. I've put it off as long as I can. <laughs> Four minutes and 24 seconds. <laughs> I have gone without letting you hear from DJ Reed. DJ Reed, who is not a 22-year-old rookie, but is a, an experienced NFL player who should know better has decided to tell the world that the New York Jets defense is not merely good, it's not merely great, it's not merely the best in the NFL, but that it should be mentioned with the best in the history of the sport.
3: Honestly, I think we could be historical, not just the best defense in the league, but I think we could have an historical defense like the 85-86 Bears, like the LOB in 2013. I think we could be that dominant if we put all the things together and we just – focus on the now and we're deliberate and everyone plays up to their potential. I think the sky's the limit for us.
1: Lest anyone doesn't know LOB is the Legion of boom in Seattle and what that defense and the 85 bears defense have in common is that they won championships. Those teams won titles, and that goes part and parcel of being one of the great defenses of all time. The Tampa defense that won it all in 2003. The Ravens defense that won it all in 2000. It don't mean a thing if you don't get the ring. So DJ Reed is putting, not to mention the fact that those are literally the most legendary defenses of all time, and the Jets are a team coming off a losing record, and we'll see. They figure to have a chance to be pretty good. But to say he's putting the cart in front of the... Mike T, the cart is so far in front of the horse, the horse can't even see it. What are we doing here?
2: Yeah, and and DJ Reed, as you said, he should know better. Like, hey, we're excited about this opportunity. We know how good Josh Allen is, but we're confident in our bunch and we're ready to go. You know, just some throwaway lines. We're not going to be talking about DJ Reed right now. But as we talked about on the show, I am telling you, Sean McDermott is going to walk in and say, hey, Josh, here's what they think of you, buddy. And by the way, like, they won... 13 games last year in the most bizarre situation you could ever imagine. Having a player almost pass away on the field. Countless injuries in their secondary. And they were a half a game behind the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a great Buffalo Bill team. You want to give them zero extra ammo. And you would think somebody, like you said, Greeny, like it's not going to be Robert but maybe a C.J. Mosley or Amar- Hey, like let's go worry about us right now. We don't have to worry about the 85 Bears.
1: Graziano brought up the worst case scenario. And it's one that Hembo will know only too well with your Philly roots. But I'm old enough to remember when the Eagles went out and they got Vince Young and they got Namdi Asamoah, and I forget who the other players they brought in were, but that they were sort of labeled, quote, the dream team. And that dream turned into a mess. What do you remember
3: about that it? That team came with enormous hype and finished 8-8. Eight and eight. It was one of the most disappointing seasons for the Eagles in my lifetime. And I think what DJ Reed's doing here... He's setting himself up to fail. He's setting this defense up to fail because he's providing like, the dictionary definition of bulletin board material. In the first six games that the Jets play, they're going to face Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, and Jalen Hurts. You're going to have Rex Ryan sitting in that chair right there on get-up on Monday morning saying, hey, this ain't the 85 Bears every time they allow a touchdown, right? <laughs> like, just don't, you can think it, just don't say it. Rex is
1: very close to the 85 Bears, lest anyone doesn't know that. His dad, Buddy, was the defensive coordinator of that that legendary defense, created something known as the 46 defense, which completely revolutionized the sport and and continues to resonate to this very day. The 85 Bears, in my opinion, are not only the greatest defense in the history of the sport, I think they're the greatest team I ever saw. The best football team I ever saw for one season. They didn't do it back to back, so they can't be considered one of the great dynasties. They're not what the Steelers were in the 70s or the Packers in the 60s or the Niners in the 80s or even the Cowboys in the 90s who won multiple championships but for any one season in football history I will take the 85 Bears and you can have anyone you want and I'll win that's how good that defense was they could have they could have punted on first down every time they got the ball they could have played that season without an offense and gone eight and eight I'm I will forever be convinced of that so Mike T, I guess what I then ask you is, does this matter? I'm sure there are people listening to this going, you know, at the end of the day, who cares what a player says? What difference does it make that this one player is making outlandish uh, comments? Does it matter? Yeah, because context is everything, Greeny, which is this. If it was said halfway through the
2: summer, it probably just would have been into the vacuum of, of the news. But we're in game week. like We are in game preparation, enormous game, Monday night, Monday night football, ESPN opener, MetLife, and... Again, if you're Sean McDermott, this is like slide number one in your team meeting when you're rolling out the game plan. Hey, you know, we have a lot of good players on defense. And Greg Rousseau and, you know, Kyrie Elam and Tredavious White, like here's what they think of them. Like it matters. Like this is something that Aaron Rodgers is going to tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, we don't have to give the other side any extra ammo.
1: Yeah, the Jets have a great leader on their defense, too, and C.J. Mosley, who obviously doesn't get the attention that Rodgers does. But I think is a great leader on that defense. And I think this is more about the other players managing it than it is the coaches. So anyway, I could have lived without this. There's no two ways about it. <laughs> Starting stronger starts at AutoZone, where they got battery solutions in the form of free battery testing, free battery charging, and replacement batteries that fit your needs. That's what makes them America's number one battery destination. Get in the zone with AutoZone. One more thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, Mike. You said something that surprised me a little on Get Up. The, the NFL's longest-standing rivalry, which is the Bears against the Packers, is renewed immediately here. And and the, and the Bears fans are hoping they no longer have to deal with, you know, the, the, the Favre and then the Rodgers of it. But that's a rivalry that goes back forever to George Halas and Vince Lombardi and Mike Ditka and Forrest Gregg. And everything else. And, and I know from having lived and worked in Chicago for as long as I did, like Packers week is unlike anything else. And, and I think we sort of have the dawning of a new era here with the two young quarterbacks. Both sides have really exciting young players that I'm dying to see. How good is Jordan Love going to be? How good is Justin Fields going to be? And when I asked about that on Get Up this morning, you told me you're feeling love and the Packers more than you're feeling Fields and the Bears. Tell me about that.
2: Yeah, I think Jordan Love has a chance to be a star. I agree. We talked about this a little bit in the offseason, which is I think a lot about NFL is how teams comport themselves. And when Aaron Rodgers was being recruited by the Jets, you didn't see you know an emergency trip out there from Green Bay. Hey, we're going to pay $60 million a year. We're going to name it you know Lambeau Stadium on Rodgers Field. It was like, hey, go ahead. And I just firmly believe in my soul that the quarterback is a developmental position and Jordan Love's sat for two years. I know it was preseason, but Dan Roloski did a nice breakdown a couple weeks ago. He is throwing the ball accurately. He is throwing with great anticipation. He is ideal size, and he has arguably the best running back tandem, two great young receivers in Dobbs and Watson, and eight first-round picks on defense. So I think he's in a perfect situation. And Justin Fields, to me, I like him. I think he could be a B. I think DJ Moore was a huge upgrade for them, but that's still a work in progress. And if I had a bet on one of these two teams, and quarterbacks,
1: I'm going with Greenback.
3: What do you think, about: Have you seen the number on that game, by the way? Do you guess? If not,
1: it's in Chicago. I'm guessing that the, I'm guessing that it is very tight. I'm, I'm guessing if it, that, maybe the Bears by a
3: point and a half. It's the Bears by one point exactly. One point. Sup- yeah, I, I thought it would be closer to a pick'em or even Green Bay. F- oh, that is close to it. How much closer to a pick'em can you get than I, that? I, I'm surprised that Green Bay is not favored. I should say.
1: Okay, because what I was—you just said—I thought that would be close to a pickup. You just to told it. me it's a one-point game. I thought that Green Bay would be favored by
3: somewhere between one and two, like one and three points. That's
1: because they were much better than the Bears last year. Yeah, I mean the Bears. But were they the had worst. Aaron Rodgers, and the Bears now have, have made major acquisitions. And,
3: the, and and people are absolutely in love with the Bears. The Bears total is seven and a half. Which I was, was just really, there for a few
1: days in Chicago. The, the fans are excited,
3: which would nearly triple their win total, and the public's all in on Chicago in Week One. Too. What do you think? I think the Bears aren't going to be nearly as good as that. I mean, they can improve a lot and only get to five or six wins. That's like, right. They have a, they have major deficiencies on their roster on the defense and the spine of their defense. The offensive line is still a work in progress, and Justin Fields needs to demonstrate that he can sit in the pocket and deliver the ball with confidence and precision. I, I've really not seen that on a consistent basis. And
2: they're really banged up on their offensive line right now, most notably Tevin Jenkins. So again, we'll we'll see how aggressive Joe Barry is, the defense coordinator of the Packers, but. I think this matchup really uh, yeah. favors
1: Green Bay. Too. All right. Are we now closing the offices of Greenberg and Tannenbaum for a little while? I did like the retainer that Bart set for us, though. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, the offices are temporarily closed, but we, we will take your calls. Uh, and our rate is $300 an hour. Oh, we'll see how that works out. Mike, thank you very much. Thanks. A Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at progressive.com. Uh, my takes are coming up next. It's been a while. we got a lot to do. Stay there. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com
4: eligible items only exclusions apply this show is sponsored by better help do you ever wonder what you would do if you had unlimited hours in the day would you pick up a new hobby or focus on one you've neglected lately would you spend time with those people you haven't seen in a while Well, there's a chance if you've considered having more time in the day, you're too overworked, stressed, and you haven't spent enough time focusing on yourself, that's where BetterHelp comes in. Therapy can be the spark to help you organize everything in your life and prioritize yourself. The journey of self-improvement isn't an easy one, but I believe when you devote time to your mental health, you become a better version of yourself. So let BetterHelp be your guide along the way. Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny, today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P
5: Types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to PrizePicks.com/Greenberg and use code Greenberg for a first deposit match up to $100. That's PrizePicks.com/Greenberg. Code Greenberg for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. Greenie,
1: the podcast. Greenie, with you on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. And as I return here and get ready for this football season with the members of the hashtag crew, we hear the voice of Jimmy Buffett, whom we lost over the weekend. That made me sad. I listened to a ton of Jimmy Buffett this weekend. He was a lot more than just this one song. A lot of people know this song and may not know a lot of his other songs. Stuff come Monday is one of my favorite songs, um, and so anyway, I listen. R.I.P. Jimmy Buffett. Thank you for all of the great songs and all of the great memories. Greenies takes. All right, here we go. As uh, as our season begins here, I'm going to give you my top five biggest storylines as we begin this NFL season. Again, I do it surrounded by the members of the hashtag crew, and I'll bring them into the entirety of the conversation in a moment. We have hashtag Humbo. We have hashtag Bubba. We have hashtag Cam. Here we go. Top five takes. Number five. On what are the biggest storylines this season? Can Russell Wilson save his legacy? In the big picture, I don't think any player has more at stake in the NFL this season than Russell Wilson does. Russell Wilson left Seattle a Hall of Famer. And he enters his second season in Denver a question mark. There's no two ways about it. If he has another terrible year, this time without the excuse of an inexperienced head coach that everyone dumped on in Nathaniel Hackett, but instead with the offensive genius, the guru, the quarterback guru that is Sean Payton, if Russell Wilson has another stinker of a season, God help us, gets benched. I don't know what his future looks like, and I think it throws into at least some question the validity of practically everything we saw him do In Seattle, is that too much, Hembo?
3: No, I mean, Russell Wilson, like you said, was on a Hall of Fame track through 10 seasons and literally ran the worst offense in the entire NFL last season. They scored fewer points than any team in the NFL. You bring in Sean Payton, who is probably the one person on the planet that you could say for sure could fix him, but I don't know for sure that he can fix him. Yeah,
1: on the screen, and it's not their fault. The TV takes the stuff that I, for my note, I just typed in Russell Wilson save his legacy. So what you're reading on your screen, if you're watching this on ESPN on the app, is Russell Wilson will save his legacy. To me, I don't know that. Mm. I don't know that he will. I think the question is, will Russell Wilson save his legacy? I really don't know which way I would bet on that. To me, it's the fifth biggest storyline as we start the season. Number four. Number four. Is this going to be Dak's last year in Dallas? I, I think that is a legitimate question. All the stuff they did last week with Trey Lance and everything else, that won't have any impact on this year. But I think it could certainly have an impact going forward. And there's a ton of, look, Dak Prescott is a really good player. You could do a lot worse than have him as your quarterback, and probably at least 20 NFL teams do. But he's been there long enough, and the team has been good enough around him to make it at least somewhat legitimate, I think, to say, is he a quarterback who can take you to water but can't make you drink? It's really not what that expression is, but you know what I mean. Hembo, he's gotten them from point A to point B time and time again. If he doesn't get them from point B to point C this year, what do you think happens?
3: I think there's a non-zero chance that Dak Prescott's not their starting quarterback next season. But I also think now is a great time to buy stock into Dak Prescott. Because his one fatal flaw last season was his proclivity to throw interceptions. But Dak Prescott entering last season was literally historically great at avoiding him. He had the third lowest interception rate in the history of the NFL entering last season. His body of work says he's going to clean it up. Now the one thing that I can't say for sure is that they're going to be better coached or coordinated. Because Kellen Moore is with the Chargers now. Mike McCarthy's calling plays, and I have a lot less confidence in McCarthy than I did Moore, who we knew over the course of a few years, he and Dak Prescott were a pretty good relationship. Kellen Moore got a new job in like
1: eight minutes. Let me bring into this conversation a man who wears a Dak Prescott jersey to work constantly, (laughs) and that would be hashtag Bubba. And many of you who may not know this, um, before Bubba's long and now somewhat historic run, in radio production, Bubba was actually a scout for the Cowboys. He, he worked right alongside Tex Schramm and some of the other legendary figures in that Cowboy front office So no one understands scouting the quarterback position better. Bubba, how do you feel about the future of Dak Prescott in Dallas? I'm,
0: f- I'm feeling, uh, feeling good. I'm feeling confident that he's going to have a bounce back year this year. I like the pieces we have around him. I, I have some concerns about Kellen Moore, but Dak's entire life, he's been doubted, whether it's been personal life things in his personal life, professional life, he's he's always overcome adversity. I have confidence this is gonna be a great year for Dak and they're gonna advance at least to the championship game, which will mean he is gonna return for another year. I think if he doesn't get to the championship game, he will not return. However, I do think they're going to make it at least a championship game and Dak is going to have
1: a great season. All right, so that's number four. Number three. Number three storyline as the season begins, which AFC powerhouses wind up missing the playoffs? There obviously isn't any way to know now. All of us could guess. But as I just jot down the names of teams... That I think your average fan would say, yes, they have a chance to be in the Super Bowl this year. Buffalo? Yes. Miami? Yes. The Jets? Yes. That's three from the AFC East. AFC North? Cincinnati? Yes. Baltimore? Yes. Would we say yes to either Cleveland or Pittsburgh? I would say yes to both. Okay. Well, if so, then we're putting even more teams in there. And then Jacksonville from that division... And then out west, you got Kansas City and the, and the Chargers. Right? That's 10 teams. That's t- 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, It's 10 teams. I, last time I checked, only seven of them can make the playoffs. So three teams that are thinking Super Bowl thoughts today will wind up missing the playoffs entirely in the AFC. But
3: you seem to question the, the, the two I said yes to for the AFC North. I don't think most
1: people are as sold on the Browns and the Steelers as they are on the other eight teams we just
3: named. Could you imagine a scenario, though, where Deshaun Watson plays like an all-pro quarterback like he once did, and that team wins 12 games? Of course I could. Could you see a scenario in which Pittsburgh gets to 11 or 12 wins? I
1: actually buy Pittsburgh
3: more than I buy Cleveland. All right, and and the other two teams, people are in love with, too. I love that.
1: Baltimore and Cincinnati, certainly. So, again, three of those teams, at least will wind up missing the playoffs. Uh-huh. And, and who knows? Someone else gets hot out there. I mean, could you see New England having a better year? Denver, Tennessee. Uh, it might not wind up being more than three of the teams we just mentioned.
3: This is going to be the season where you just can't afford the, you know, the, the bad fortune of losing your quarterback to an injury. Like The attrition this year in the AFC is going to pile up so fast. You need your, star, your, your QB1 for 17 games if you have a shot to make the playoffs.
1: That's my number three storyline heading into the season. Number two. Number two is this new era of Bears-Packers. This is of particular significance to me. I I came up in this business. I always say I grew up in New York, and then I grew up again in Chicago. And I certainly grew up professionally in Chicago. And my primary—well, people still, I think, associate me more with Jordan and the Bulls. My true love in those days was covering the Bears. Mike Ditka was the coach, and they were just awesome. Jim Harbaugh was the quarterback, and those teams were so fascinating to be around. And what I learned, among other things, is that Packer week was unlike anything else. He could feel it in the building, just as a reporter, just being around it. So it starts now week one, so a monster game at Soldier Field. And this is a whole new era. No more Favre, no more Rodgers. I think the fans in Chicago are every bit as hopeful about their young guy as the ones in Green Bay are about theirs. I was actually in Chicago for most of this weekend. I talked to a lot of Bears fans. They are fired up. So I think the question is, which one of these two kids is going to wind up being the goods? It would be great for the sport if the answer is both. If the answer to that question should be both, and the Bears and Packers both wind up having really good, they don't have to be as good as Rodgers or Favre. Almost no one in history ever has been. But if they both wind up having really good young quarterbacks, then that rivalry, I think, retakes, reclaims center stage in a sport where I think it has mostly taken a back seat because it's been so one-sided for 30 years. So
3: Aaron Rodgers started 29 games against the Bears during his career in Green Bay. Of those 29 games, how many of those do you think the Packers won?
1: He famously said, I own you. (laughs) Uh, Out of those 29, I'm... Does that include the playoff game because no. they played each other? So there's actually 30 because they played each other in the in the NFC Championship game. That's right. That was the game that Cutler didn't finish mm-hmm. and everyone made a big deal and certainly Rodgers won that game too, so you can add that one to the list. But your question is how many did the Bears win? Or well, I guess the same answer either way. So it's a total of 30, total of 30 games. I'm going to guess that the Packers won
3: more than 20. They won 25.
1: 20 25
5: out of 30. And in those
3: 29 regular season games, Green Bay was only an underdog in three of them. And they're an underdog, at least right now in week one in Chicago. It's a it's a rare occurrence for this kind of thing to happen.
1: It's a new era of that rivalry, and I'm excited. Number one. And then the number one storyline, and Cam, you can kill the music here, to me, of course, is is Rogers. And and Aaron Rodgers coming to the Jets. I don't say that as a Jet fan. I think it is the biggest story in the NFL. This is three years later, Tom Brady going to Tampa and trying to win a championship. And he not only so what he has done to Rodgers now twice, not only by by winning seven titles and so putting this th- this number out there for Rodgers to always have to be reminded of. But he's actually done exactly what Rodgers is now trying to do, changing teams late in his career and and finding a way to win a championship. And, and Brady did it in his first year. So how good are the Jets going to be? I, I could live. We'd opened with this. I could live without the bulletin board material. I could live without DJ Reed saying we're going to be the 85 Bears. I could live without all of that. But at the end of the day, that won't be what decides everything. I believe that the Jets' defense is going to be excellent. I'm very confident. They will not be the 85 Bears. But I'm very confident they will be a defense that is more than good enough to win with. They will be a, they will be a defense that will be excellent. So the question then becomes, is the offense around Rodgers, and particularly the line in front of Rodgers, good enough to complement that and make the kind of deep playoff run that the fans like me are praying for. Look, I cannot sit here and tell you this season will be a failure if the Jets don't get to the Super Bowl. We just ran through the murderer's row of teams in the AFC. But we'll know it if we see it. If the Jets are really, really good this year, if they win double-digit games, they win a playoff game or two, no one in their right minds can say that isn't a success. But I don't think it's a given either. So that's the storyline. What are Rodgers and the Jets going to
3: be? So I have a list here. Some of them are obvious. Some of them maybe less so. But I have a list here of the five quarterbacks prior to Aaron Rodgers that have won multiple MVPs and that changed teams at 35 years or older. I kind of, look, History does not repeat itself. But it does rhyme. And I want you to go, I'm gonna go through each of these and just sort of demonstrate the fact that this thing can happen right away for the Jets. Okay. Because it's happened right away for some of the others.
1: Uh, so, so, I mean, who, you, you have the list? I have the list. Okay. So you're asking me to try and guess them?
3: Yeah, we'll go through them. Give me again t- quarterbacks that have won multiple MVPs that changed teams after the age of 35 to get a subset like what Aaron Rodgers has just Okay, because
1: I was thinking of Kurt Warner, but I don't think he won multiple MVPs.
3: He, he did, but he was too young for this list, and he was the one person that I excluded. He was the only other person. There were six total, including Warner.
1: Oh, okay. There were six total, including Warner, but mm-hmm. th- th- but there's five.
3: But h- in between St. Louis and Arizona the, was had the, the, the one year with the Giants. It's right. not exactly Apples, apples. I, I got you, but whatever.
1: So, 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 well, I mean, Brady is obviously one. There's a
3: four-win improvement in year one, and they won the Super Bowl. Peyton Manning is another. A five-win improvement. Improvement in year one, they lost in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, Brett Favre is another. A five-win improvement from four wins to nine wins. They were much... That, that Favre-Jets team was
1: way better than anyone ever remembers. Joe Montana?
3: That's the fourth one. Yes, they went, they, went, they reached the conference championship game in his first that season. That Kansas City team was excellent. Yeah, mm-hmm. lost to Buffalo. Um, so I'm missing one more. I'm going to be incredibly impressed if you get this. The last one. That changed
1: teams after the age of 35? Won
3: multiple MVPs, changed teams after the age of 35. I, I mean... Is it Johnny Unitas? Yes, it's Johnny okay. Unitas. Yeah,
1: I didn't know if if, if if that went back too far. No, he
3: played one year in San Diego at the very end of his I career. I remember that, 73. yeah. Uh, but, but,
1: but, but so he was with, yeah, because he was still with the Colts when they won Super Bowl V. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so, I mean, history shows it can be done, and, and and it has been done in a big way. Brady did it, Manning did it, Favre had a good year, Montana had a very good year, um, and so we'll hope they can do it. So those are, in my opinion, those are my top five storylines going into the start of the NFC or excuse me the NFL season greeny presented by progressive insurance save when you bundle motorcycle RV and boat insurance visit progressive.com let me bring in the other members of the hashtag crew starting with hashtag #cam cam is there anything you would like to add to that list what is the biggest storyline as the season begins in your mind that i did not
3: mention i think the biggest one is imagine a world where the 49ers missed on Brock Purdy, too, and he turns out not to be the player that they thought he would be, it makes the Trey Lance thing look even worse in retrospect. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I have an eye on the 49ers to see if he, is, he lives up to what he looked like last season, and he's coming off an injury, so it might not look great early. So you're going to hear some noise out of there if they don't have uh, quite the same success that they did early. So I'm, I'm, I have an eye on San Francisco. I
1: think that's a good take, and it's an interesting one, and I will tell you what I've been hearing coming out of there is that they are very high on Darnold. They like Sam Darnold. I'm not kidding. I'm being dead serious. I, I, I think they're very high on Darnold. And if, if that, that's the reason they were willing to trade away Trey Lance. And the point was made, Mike Tannebaum made it the day of the Lance trade. Sam Darnold was told he would be the backup quarterback when he signed. Because if you're going to be the third-string quarterback you're not making that decision the first day of free agency. He signed with San Francisco immediately. He would have taken that a lot longer if they hadn't told him he'd be the backup. Baba, how about you? What is the biggest thing, uh, biggest storyline in the upcoming NFL season I haven't mentioned?
0: Yeah, I think uh, I'm also interested to see what's happening in Washington. Um, I think that's going to be interesting uh, with, obviously, the new ownership. So what's going to happen with the quarterback situation there and then Ron Rivera, I think, and the Bienemy situation? I think there's a lot of interesting storylines going on with Washington.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to expect there. I I play golf with a guy who's a huge fan of theirs, lifelong, and he keeps telling me how good they're going to be. He he keeps telling me. Yeah, everyone keeps saying that. (laughs) You're sleeping on Sam Howell, and you don't realize how good the weapons are, and you don't realize how good the defense is. Maybe they're right. I don't know. I mean, I think most people view that as a three-team division with the Cowboys and Eagles at the top, and then the Giants, you know, can they knock on the door was last year's sort of – smoke and mirrors. People are wondering that. And I think everyone views Washington fourth, But they don't view themselves that
3: way. No, I mean, their total uh, entering the season is six and a half wins. I would actually be inclined to play the over there just because I think the roster is so good. But then you're putting your eggs in the Sam Howell basket, your eggs in the Jacoby Brissett basket, your eggs in the Can Ron Rivera Save His Job basket. I do get a sense that there's a new sort of energy around the organization. I just don't know if that's going to translate into many wins. All right, we will see. Those are our takes as we get the season underway.
1: Coming up next, it's a sports decision that is worth half a billion dollars. And we'll tell you what it should be right after this Greeny, the podcast. We are back, Greeny, with you on ESPN Radio, surrounded by all the members of the hashtag crew, and I want to thank everybody for all the nice notes that we've gotten all summer. I know everybody missed having us here, and I apologize for that, and I'm here to say that we are now back. A lot of things you probably read about them have changed around the place, all of them for the better. let, let, Let me rephrase that. Certainly not all of them for the better. We've lost a lot of good friends and things like that. But for me, things uh, are right where I want them to be right now. And the most important thing is that I want to be right here. So I will be here every morning uh, with you from 8 to 10 doing get up. And then I slide six feet to my right and I say back and better than ever. And we are here from 10 to noon Eastern time every single day and we will be here. So I understand where, where it has been, but I'm telling you right now what it is. We are here to have the biggest football season ever, and that's exactly what we're going to do. Greeny with you live from the Seaport, brought to you by Grey Goose. And a reminder, you can watch this show on the ESPN app. Just click on watch, look for hashtag Greeny, and you can enjoy. Okay, next. I'm
5: ready to go right now.
1: Green light, light with Greeny.
5: Give me the green light.
1: Hembo is back from his paternity leave. So Hembo got four months of leave. Because, uh, if it, it, and look, it's a wonderful world we live in in this day and age. When my son Stephen was born, he was born on a Tuesday. I came back to work Thursday. <laughs> and that probably in the big picture is not the right thing to do. It's, it's what people of my generation were taught you should do or you had to do. But now you don't have to. So Hembo um, was able to get two months of leave for having a baby. And because he had two of them. He was able to get four months of leave. I mean, I'm not sure four months is the answer either. You know, t- <laughs> th-
0: Thursday might not be the right answer, but I mean, I'm going to go on record and say four months might not be the correct. answer. Somewhere either.
1: between Thursday and four months, right?
0: So let's get somewhere in the middle let's there. Get a sweet spot,
1: probably right around is right around the right amount of time. But one way or another, it is time for the first green light of this of this you know dawning of a new era of the radio show. And I want to talk about Shohei Otani because uh, since we were gone, uh, one of the things that I, 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 and it's going back a little bit now, is that I went to Japan. Stacey and I went to Japan. That was our big summer trip. And I had never been, I had never been to Asia in my life. And what a magnificent experience going there was in every way. But I was really struck by the magnitude of Otani. I mean, everywhere you went, he is a, a... this might not be a surprise, but when you're there, it really smacks you in the face. I mean, he is a national hero. It is unbelievable the way the people there love him and, and what that is doing for the sport. I mean, Japan has obviously always been enormously po- – uh, excuse me. Baseball has always been enormously popular in Japan. But Shohei Otani has taken to a level that even Hideki Matsui couldn't and, and, and none of the other – even Ichiro and whatnot – So anyway, all of that is the preamble to saying that I was kind of heartbroken when I saw that he has a a, a torn UCL and may need Tommy John again. His agent came out yesterday and said he remains a two-way player. He is going to be a pitcher. Now, my immediate reaction to that is, of course, his agent said that because he's becoming a free agent this offseason and he isn't worth half a billion dollars if he's just the best power hitter in baseball. He's worth $350 million if he's that, but he's worth $500 million if he's both. So Hembo, no one knows more about this stuff than you do. What are people saying about Shohei Otani?
3: People are saying the wrong thing. I do not believe that Shohei Otani tearing his elbow, which was terribly unfortunate, and it's going to require some type of procedure. We don't know if it's going to be Tommy John, but it's going to be something. But the notion that he's going to lose out on hundreds of millions of dollars because of that or because of that uncertainty, in my opinion, is profoundly false. Because this is going to be an owner's decision. Like, if you're signing Otani, it's going to be the decision of the owner first. And then your baseball operations people, including your GM, will fall in line. A Major League Baseball owner is going to care a lot less about how many starts he might make over the course of that contract. And a lot more about the fact that he is baseball's biggest draw in a century. The fact that he is a global icon. The fact that worldwide, he is the most popular athlete in the world. I'm raising my hand. Yes, sir. Why is he that? For a variety of reasons. What's the biggest one? The biggest one to date is the fact that he's a unicorn, that he can do both. Pitch. And so if he stops
1: pitching, does he remain the biggest draw in baseball? If he's just a guy who's going to hit 48 home runs, I'm not suggesting that that's nothing, but we have lots of them. None of them are going to go out and win 20 games and have the best ERA in the
3: league. I'll answer your question by asking you another. Who, who is the person to whom we most often compare Shohei Ohtani? Babe Ruth. Did the fact that Babe Ruth stopped pitching obscure his popularity in we're, any way
1: no no but Babe Ruth hit more home runs than other teams hit in those days if Ohtani starts hitting a hundred home runs a year then I will pay attention to that but o- o- Ohtani is not the power hitter that Aaron Judge is or at least he's not markedly better than Aaron Judge do we a, know I that assumed. for sure I don't know it for sure but he's not going to the reason he has transformed the sport is because he does both. Right. If he stops doing both, then he does he is no longer he's now just an outstanding
3: player. I think he's already built a celebrity though to transcend that. Not to mention the fact that he keeps getting better as a hitter. If he decides if he decides not to pitch, which by the way, he won't do, if he decides not to pitch, who's to say that he couldn't be a much greater hitter than he is now? Like Babe Ruth became the greatest hitter of all time. Effectively, the moment that he stopped pitching. I know. Shohei Otani is two years younger than Aaron Judge, who just got a nine-year, $360 million contract, and they are comparable hitters. The prospect of him pitching, combined with the fact that he is going to create a baseball empire for you, a de facto ATM for you, means he's going to get at least half a billion dollars, and I would refuse to believe the notion that he's going to get significantly less because of the arm injury and the uncertainty around it. Do you think he will continue to be a pitcher? I I do. It will probably be in some kind of abbreviated capacity, whether it be he pitches once every 7 to 10 days. Maybe he pitches just in the second half of the season on a good team to ramp himself up for the playoff. Maybe he he comes out of the bullpen twice a week on planned days. But if he wants to keep pitching, he's going to keep pitching, and if you're making free agent overtures in the offseason, you're going to build your entire organization and developmental plan around what he wants. Otherwise, you're not getting it.
1: That's the fascinating question. What position would he play if, if, he, if he ceases to be a pitcher? What position would he play?
3: He would probably play, uh, he would probably DH and play some first base. But who's to say that he couldn't play a corner outfield position? Well, that's my question. Is could he be a first baseman or
1: a right fielder and then in the eighth inning come in and start pitching? Like what? he's already in Why the game. Even? Well, I'm asking that. Would, if he does that, now we're talking. We're talking about one of the best athletes in the world, in any sport. He leads the league in triples. I understand. I'm not. I'm, and it, if this conversation sounds like I'm downplaying Shohei, then I'm not saying what I mean. Half a billion dollars, Greeny. Uh, maybe. But what I'm saying is what has made him so special is that he's doing something we haven't seen in a hundred years. If he can't do that anymore, then he is merely outstanding. There's a difference between outstanding, which we have a lot of, and practically unprecedented which by definition we do not all right huge hours still to come really busy it's good to be back you're listening to greeny on espn radio
0: thanks for listening to greeny the podcast you can listen live each weekday morning at 10 eastern on espn radio or watch the show through the watch tab on the espn app also catch greeny on get up weekday mornings at 8 on espn and also available wherever you get your podcast